Welcome back, everyone, good people of the world. This is episode 52 of Gab with Gwen. We have our MVP, Miss Trinity, back in the proverbial building as we record remotely. Social distancing, y'all. Hey. Okay. And so the last time we spoke was during, I think it's episode 46. So that's damn crazy. Like what, seven episodes ago? That's not good math there. Six episodes ago with Ados, that Ados episode with you and Slim. I like that episode. I think it's a heavy episode, but it's a great topic. And you okay, for those who didn't listen to it, that is American Descendant of Slavery. And for me, you know, I think we're both in agreement that Ados is not a movement that serves to advance Black people as a whole and is probably not going to even achieve its own goals through being divisive and not wanting to work with or acknowledge or embrace other Black communities within the United States. So for me, what I think, what I get like an underlying tone and something I want to focus on actually on a few more episodes going forward is I did bring up that I think just by default in America, and it's just American culture, but this also permeates into Black American culture, African American culture. The notion is that the American experience, African American experience is all-encompassing. Slavery only happened here. And there really is a lack of awareness of the struggles, the narratives, the stories, the experiences of Black people who were not American. You get Again, aside from the, you know, feed the children, you know, Africa, children with, you know, big bellies with flies flying around or 90 day fiance scammers. Okay. So <laughs> let's be real. Those are like the Gwen's relatives, <laughs> Nigerian relatives. <laughs> Listen, shout out to the Niger fam. Shout out to y'all. Okay. Um, and, and listen, and Jamaicans are scammers too, but y'all don't even know that, <laughs> but y'all don't even know that. So I feel like what I want to do is focus. My sister's like, oh, we could Black History Month, you could expand outside. I said, look, every month is Black History Month, okay? So, hey, every month is Black History Month. So I want to talk about different narratives so people understand that, yeah, there's other stuff that's going on it's relevant to Black people and you should be aware of it. And so something that we had just very lightly skipped over was Windrush. And I wanted to dedicate an episode to, to this topic, which is something that's probably not familiar to any Americans, whether or not you're black or not black. But this is something that's very, it's a hot topic. It's been a hot topic for the last couple of years uh, in the UK. And it affects a lot of immigrants from the West Indies and their descendants, as well as some African immigrants as well. Anyone who were part of the former colonies of the UK. So Ms. Trinity, do you want to kind of kick off like what is Windrush? Yeah, so I don't know specifically the appropriate timing or the year that it actually kicked off, but I want to say in the early 1950s, um, if I'm not mistaken. 1948. Right? Yeah, 1948. 1948, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the end of the 40s, 1948. Um, the UK set about reaching out to these Commonwealth countries um, and definitely those in the Caribbean to kind of immigrate um, peoples to the UK in order to help them out with their labor shortage. 
Um, so a lot of um, individuals came over um, from the Caribbean on, I believe the ship was called Windrush, if I'm Correct. not mistaken. Yeah. And that's kind of where the name kind of propagated from for these peoples, um, later referred to um, as the Windrush generation, not only them, but their descendants as well. And they emigrated from many islands in the Caribbean, Jamaica, Grenada, Trinidad, um, to the UK. Um, many people came over as teenagers, not just adults, teenagers, and even small children came over as well with mm -hmm. their parents. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. To the UK. Yeah. yeah. So Windrush people are, was a, well, at the time, I'll tell you guys, people didn't know they were called the Windrush, right? And I actually talked to my mom earlier because uh, I wanted to get some facts straight about like my grandfather. And mm -hmm. she's like, oh, I didn't hear about this calling Windrush until now. So because of what's happening in the last few years and with that we're going to get to, then you'll see why everyone's talking about it. But it's basically exactly what Trini said from basically people who emigrated specifically it's really primarily from the west indies right so from the caribbean from 1948 to 1971 and to i want to add a little additional context so what people don't seem to realize as americans is that you know you guys know we have the fourth of july independence day because the u.s used to be a colony of the uk until 1776 all right well the Caribbean, we were very recently still colonies of the UK. And you have to understand within the lives of at least my parents and people's grandparents, they saw the switch over from Jamaica being a colony and as a part of the Commonwealth to the UK and being its own independent country. So Jamaica only became independent in 1962. My parents were both born in the 40s. So, like, they know, and then my grandma, who's still alive, you know, for a very long time, she was a part of a, a, Brit a British subject, right? My dad can tell you stories of, he remembers having, like, uh, like British pounds, and when the money, the shillings, and then things changed over. Yeah. So, look, my parents are old, I'm saying. So, like, they remember <laughs> all this stuff of, like, the remnants of the British Empire, and then just the, the switch over to, like, being independent, right? So, all of that, I'm giving that context so for you guys to understand that. That has a lot of implications for the stuff that's happening today because it's happened all within people's lifetime and that colonialism is having a negative impact on Black people today who were brought as subjects for their motherland, their mother country, willingly after World War II to build up the UK because it had a labor shortage and a skill shortage and people wanted to improve their lives. And now you're going to see how fucked up it ends up being in the long run. So. Yeah, because I think another issue, I guess, at the start of this for them was a lot of these people came over without documentation. They were just like, hey, guys, hop on the ship. Come here. You can have a better life. You can help us out. And, you know, you'll figure it out from there. But people came over with no passports, no, no, you know, documentation, no type of residency. So it's just like from there, I think, is kind of where the system was able to manipulate it and cause all of the turmoil that they ended up causing for like three generations of people. Cause these people, a lot of the people that first came over are now grandparents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But to, to their defense, if you're a member of a colony, you don't need a passport. You, you don't, don't need, need it. it. You don't need it because yeah. you're a part of the empire. If you're a member of the British empire, which you are, because we're like, we said, this is from 1948, 
until 1972. A lot of the countries in West Indies didn't start to get their independence until the 60s. So for the larger part of this, you were just going to like, you know, it's almost like if you want to think of America state to state or if worse right. worse, if you want to say going to Puerto Rico or something right now before September 11th, you guys need to understand like passports were not a big thing of traveling. So you could just go from America to Puerto Rico without anything. Truth be told, I remember being a little kid going to Canada and I don't remember if I always had you to only my passport. regular ID. Yeah. yeah you it wasn't ID. until a few years ago that you needed your passport to go to Canada. Cause I went to school in Buffalo and we would, I went to university in Buffalo and we would hop over to Canada with just our New York state IDs. Yeah. And they just let us in. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you think about that time, and you know, we're talking about the 2000s, right? Imagine talking about like 1940s, yeah. 1950s. They didn't have it, so I, I want to be really clear on that because I don't want people. Like, well, it's because people have proper IT. The world has operated very differently since September 11th, right? But pre-September 11th, and we're talking like even pre-pre, like you know, this is like after World War II to build stuff up. It's a whole other ball game. So. It was just normal. Like you would just like, okay, it's England, it's the UK. This is a part of our motherland. The the currency, the money, everything, the whole culture, the system that's in all of these countries is the British system, right? The schooling, the, the way the, where they drive on the side of the road, everything is the British system because you're a colony and you just went to your mother country to go, you know, the queen is opening it to so you go and you bring your children or it, or and a lot of times the children are small or the husbands go first and this happened over that you know over 20 year period 20 almost 25 year period and you're going to see as we talk through it there are implications like three generations and you know unfortunately beyond plus brexit now fucked it up a little bit too and now covid so yeah and covid so can't shake it <laughs> jesus yeah so all that to say so you guys so like we said people went over there they didn't have um paperwork you know they go over there so for gwen's i can tell you my grandfather did my mom's father i actually like i said i called him called my mom earlier i was like what where did your grandpa go she said she, from her recollection he went in 1960 um so okay. he, he went in 1960 so your mother was already born my mom was already born, so he went. Actually, my mom said he went the year her youngest sister was born. So this is her recollection. And listen, Mike, you guys, just whatever. My mom had a stroke. Sometimes her memory is not great, but it sounds pretty legit. I will verify with somebody else, but it sounds <laughs> legit from what she's saying. So we're going to go with what she's saying, and mm-hmm. I'll have to correct it in a future episode. I'll correct it. So what she remembers is uh, her youngest sister. My grandmother was pregnant with her, and that my grandfather went to England that year and she remembers my grandfather actually didn't come back he listen listen, my grandparents are cool so I don't want you guys think that he did no anything shady he went to work and he wanted to bring my grandmother but my grandmother didn't want to leave her children behind which is something people often did so she waited until my her youngest daughter my my mom's youngest sister like the rest of them were all out of the house so like the second youngest was 18 and then she went they moved to england my grandmother and my aunt when she was 12 and my aunt grew up in england so if you got if anyone knows my 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 mom's youngest sister she has a british accent because she grew up in the uk since she was 12 and so my grandfather you know lived in the uk over 30 years and then you know my my grandmother also had siblings who went there and it's just not that side like there are other 
sides of the family, but just immediately my grandfather lived there and he went there as a part of Windrush, which they didn't know it was called Windrush at the time. It's called Windrush now, that generation, because of the immigration issues that are happening now. So it's, you know, something very real. Thankfully for my aunt and my grandmother, the issues that people are counting today didn't happen with them. We can kind of talk through that. So I just want to say like that, just for you guys to get a little bit of touch. Like we're not just talking about like, oh, this happened to a few people. Like this is legit. Any West Indian, you know, anyone who's from the English speaking Caribbean has family in the UK for a reason. Yes, this is true. This is also prevalent on my dad's side of the family. So his mother ended up leaving him. He was in primary school. I didn't get to talk to him to get the full details, but maybe he was around like nine or 10 years old and his younger sister. So she was maybe about seven-ish, I want to say. And their mom left and went to the UK to be with her um, new husband. And so my two youngest aunts are actually British citizens as well. So yeah, so you guys, this is just for you guys to know it's a black experience. A lot of you guys think that, oh, Idris Elba and all the rest of fancy black. They're not fancy. Okay. <laughs> this is called colonialism. <laughs> okay. Why do you right? think these black people are in the UK? Is because the sun never set on the British Empire. All right. And so people who used to be British subjects were able to more freely travel to England uh, and just the UK. And so that's why you see these. West Indian people of West Indian descent and African descent. And there's a lot of Indians also because these were all part mm-hmm. of the British, uh, the British colonies. The more, you know, take note <laughs> folks. I want y'all to know, learn some other history. Okay. So, yeah. okay. So, so all these folks head over there. Right. And I guess a lot, you could say, I guess the majority of the women probably went into nursing. I want to guess. I mean, I don't know the statistics. I don't know the facts and figures, but I want to say a lot of these women that went over there, um, young and old, started out with nursing and kind of working within the British health healthcare system. Yeah, a lot of them. There was a right. there was a nursing shortage as well. So there were a lot of different laborers. There were carpenters, like people, nurses, doctors, all of like people who were skilled workers. They went to. They went to the UK as part of this. I should say on the side note, not related to this, a lot of folks also went to Panama to build the Panama Canal. So that can probably be a, a future Canal, episode because yeah. I got a lot of Panamanian family. So we can talk about that as well. And some also went to Cuba. Yes, I guess I'm targeting this a lot to American folks because I grew up and was born in America. But just to understand the Black experience outside of America, there's a lot of shit that's going on with immigration where, look, people are poor or people are looking for opportunities. And because you have a mother country that was willing to do it and presumably be a bitter life, people, unfortunately, a lot of families, you know, I'm not going to say broke up, but this is something you'll see a lot with West Indians uh, and immigrants in general. But I know from I can speak from the West Indian experience, like Trini just said, a family that the mother or the father goes, you know, and a lot of times and they'll, they'll stay, they'll try to establish themselves. And then they'll, they'll a few years later send for, you know, the spouse or the children to come with them. Right. Yeah. And so I think that I feel like the intention for a lot of the folks that went over to the UK was to work, obviously, just like Gwen said, make some money, have a better life, but also to go back home. I don't think that anybody really thought that, 
you know, at the start of it, that they would settle down and, and have roots in the UK. But sure. as life happens, as you work, you fall in love, you have babies, you buy a house, you're paying taxes, you know, at a certain point, you're sending money back home, which many, you know, immigrants end up doing and still do to this day, you send money back home. But I think the intention was to go back and see, you know, your your parents, your aunts, your uncles, and stuff like that. But a lot of these people never got that opportunity because life gets in the way. Just because they came to the UK, you know, to, to work and have a better life, that doesn't mean that they're making, you know, buku bucks. These people are still here, you know, struggling to make ends meet, even, you know, as they're trying to send money back home. So I think that unexpectedly, a lot of this generation ended up settling roots and then you know you have one generation then you have the next generation and you know at a certain point you kind of break off from saying okay i'm a caribbean person to saying i'm a person of caribbean descent now living in the uk and i'm you know a british citizen at this point well maybe not a british citizen but the only way of life you know at this point is to be you know british a lot of these people when they brought their children let's say you came over with your mom your mom's 20 you're two three years old that's all you know you don't know life back home in Jamaica or Grenada. You know the UK. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And even actually something I think that's willing to to kind of pick apart a little bit here, because if you guys, you should Google Windrush. There, there's some nuances to this. And I will say, just knowing because, you know, my parents are a certain age and knowing what was happening at the time, certain circumstances ended up making it where people ended up staying. Because to Trinity's point, that's generally never the intention. People want to be able to send money back home. And the goal is always to go home and listen, West Indians now all want to, all of them always want to go home to, to retire, which is a terrible idea, but um, you know, it's always people want to go home. So I, I think just based on one little tidbit is the reason why people end up making life is okay. There's love and you, you make your roots there. But like I said, Jamaica went, became independent in 1962 so in the middle of this like really smack in the middle of the wind rush where you're a former subject and you're going over there to the you know to the mother country to work because they you know they've opened their doors and say hey we want to we're welcoming our subjects your citizens we're treating you the same like this is the rhetoric like it was like a positive a hug all this stuff now because of the fallout from world war ii Britain didn't necessarily, the UK, I should say, didn't necessarily recover as they expected. And so the reason why people think that like, oh, these like Jamaica and the, the other countries went independent because everyone, I don't know, just suddenly realized they want to be independent. I think it's a little bit nuanced. I would say, yes, you saw like uh, the civil rights movement, right, happening in, in the US, right, which is you know, mm -hmm. definitely you, you, that's an impetus, like something in the background that's happening and there's a black power movement. I think that's, that's true, but you also, there's, I always say, follow the money. Okay. Cause if you follow <laughs> the money, that's where you get to the real reasons behind stuff. Right. So it really was not, it was just more expensive. Like, okay, I want to be independent. Cool. 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 Cause we can't afford to keep sending you money. That's what a lot of this comes down to. Like it was too expensive. Absolutely for them to continue to have colonies and they were like, okay, cool. Y'all could be on your own. Cool. Right. So in one respect, we're like, yes, we're free. We're black. We have our own country and the black pride and, and civil rights is happening in, in the U S and there's this whole momentum of like, 
pan-Africanism and all these things of like, you know, being free, independent, you know, anti-colonialism. Cool, right? But listen, follow that green. Certain people don't do things out of the kindness of their own hearts because it's the right thing to do. Definitely not the British Empire. (laughs) Okay, let's be real. And let's be even real. In America, it wasn't like they were like, ugh, slavery is so wrong. That's why we stopped. That's not why I stopped, right? That's not why I stopped. It was largely economic because you have the invention of the cotton gin. Why am I going to pay to feed people and clothe them and bathe them when I can have a machine? It's, it's technology. So follow the green, all right? Because these things that we think are like social lessons and moral lessons, why people do stuff, we get caught up in like, oh, the marketing behind it. But it's, it's about the money. And that's how... That's how these islands became, and not just islands, like the British Empire broke apart and because they couldn't afford it. And so when that happens, though, and then the countries now are not, you know, initially what my dad, my parents have told me is that, you know, they remember when it went, they became independent. And the first few years were cool. Like Jamaica was good as one point in the 60s they like one jamaican dollar was equivalent to a u.s dollar like jamaica was thriving which is wild which is crazy because you guys don't want to exchange right now okay but (laughs) it was thriving and it was you know they're like it was great and and i say this because you know my parents came to america in the 80s and they came like i told they were in the 40s so they were in their 30s they were they didn't come as kids to america and so i've had this conversation many times like so Why'd y'all come here? And it's like in the 70s, Jamaica started to go into real decline. And this is where you see a lot of like people from Jamaica where there was a lot of out migration at this point because it became more violent, the politics and everything, the oil crisis, a lot of things, just the economic decline just went really downhill and it has never recovered okay? So that's what almost 50 years, it's never recovered and so I want to overlay that with Windrush because you are in a high point where like, okay, your mother country, the UK is telling you, come here, come work. And you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go there and make money and I can send it back home and I can come, you know, make, do my hustle and go back home. But as you make roots there, you have things keeping you there. But at the same token, life at home is getting worse. So you really don't have a good situation to go back to. And so there's yeah. like a double-edged sword here where people now, their lives, their homes are in the UK because as things became independent, it was good for a few years, then it went to shit. And I'm not saying that means, I don't, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that, oh, life was better because it was a colony. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there are socioeconomic factors that changed the way Jamaica operated and how life was. And it's been a steady decline in just life and everything in Jamaica since the 1970s. So, and that's at the, also the end of the wind rush, right? So you have this generation of people mm-hmm. for 25 years who've been going over, who've been over there, they've had children settled and they don't have a reason to go back. Even though the government of the UK was very welcoming to the wind rush uh, folks, the folks coming from the Caribbean, that doesn't mean that the people of the UK were as welcoming. Just Facts. like the rights movement these you know black and brown folks coming through to the uk to help them out with their labor shortage we're getting you know we're dealing with their own onslaught of racism day in and day out from you know the common folk of the uk 
Absolutely. So that's a great point. Don't think in... Yeah, okay, I'm going to get on you guys in the UK. You guys always think, oh, it's just America <laughs> who's racist. You guys are so proud by race. Not. Y'all are a damn lie, okay? Because anyone who went in that time who grew up, you know, from the 40s <laughs> to the 70s to the 80s, the white folks were giving them the business, okay? They were giving them the business, and it was not an easy Absolutely. thing. You know, you have this accent, you're black, and plus it's a very classist society, the West Indians had immigrants had a hard time, had a hard time and were not accepted. So the government was saying that to bring the people over. But then there was a lot of resentment and racism from the British folks that these West Indian people had to deal with for the first time. Yeah, they dealt with a lot of ignorance, a lot of fuckery. Yeah. So so we so we, we said it ended in 1971. Right. Uh, that's where it kind of slowed yeah. down. You know, people who were there are there and settled and presumably you have been there for like a quarter of a century by now yeah pretty much the first bash that came through yeah so you basically had lived there you started to have a family set down roots your kids have kids at this point you know like i said they're the colonies were becoming independent right the countries in the caribbean become independent so you went over as British subjects. And listen, even when you become independent, it doesn't mean they're completely, you're still a part of the Commonwealth, actually. But yeah, they're um, still paying taxes to the crown and all this other crap. Yeah, you're not like completely loose and on your own. Like, let's be real, right? It's just like if you buy a house, you still gotta pay them damn property taxes. It's not, it's never all where your own. Okay. So they were doing that. And so you have this thing where, well, shit. People were now having their own passports from their own countries, right? But then the people who were who had come from the Windrush were a little bit in limbo, right? Because they had come at the point where you were a British subject, so you didn't need a passport, whatever or not. And you still didn't need it initially, right? But now you have like your truly independent country and at this point you know you you went over there and this is again not before this is not computer time this is before this you know early 70s before that yeah there was nothing you know what i mean so i think there were landing cards but people would come and they would throw away the papers like it was just kind of loosey-goosey right where people didn't really think about it or I mean, some might say that the British government was being tricky, that they would throw away people's paperwork when they got there. Yep. So that, so that you know, when push came to <laughs> shove later on, you didn't have anything to stand on. They get the boot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Girl, this is this. It's, it's a whole fucking mess. And y'all really be trying to act like y'all are so bougie. But anyway. <laughs> It's like it's a whole mess. So it's just because you know their their racism is so polite, so it's it's easier to swallow. <laughs> That's what they like to pretend like. I, I I get you know I think my American sensibilities are like wait what are we talking about? You know what I mean like you know for me it's weird. So anyway so you know so people are there you're, you're there you're settled it's fine and you know you get the insurance the national health care there was was it nih nhi ni national health insurance um yeah, and they get like all the things you can get it's a socialized medicine place and people are working you know working class people mostly but again there's a lot yeah. of nurses to trini's point who went over there they really built the nhs that's what i was thinking of they really built the, the national NHS, health yes. system yeah. All of that. So something I learned today, and I'm going to bring it up here, is that 
when Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister in the UK in the 80s. So now 10 years after like Windrush kind of died down, they there was like a new legislation around what British citizenship meant. So uh, yes, when they started tinkering with things. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is where now people to this is where you guys want to hear how it all is like playing out today. So basically before January 1983, you could be considered to be a British citizen if you were born in the UK or a British colony. Okay? That was before 1983. All right? Now if you were born after 1983, even if you were born in the UK, it doesn't mean that you would necessarily be a British citizen because their concept of citizenship is a little bit different. So I, I think everyone needs to be clear because especially from an American sensibility, we're like, anchor baby, you're born here, that's it. But it doesn't quite work like that everywhere. After 1983, you could be considered a British citizen if one of your parents was a British citizen when you were born or if one of your parents was quote unquote settled in the UK when you were born, which is like a little weird category. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now we get to this thing. That's a little bit nebulous because we just talked about Windrush being 1948 to 1971 and people born in 1983 easily could have parents 1983 and after easily had parents who came during Windrush, but didn't have actual British citizenship, right? Because they came as children or they were adults uh, who came from these Caribbean countries and they went there and now their citizenship is suddenly in limbo. And so you guys, yeah, Americans don't begin this. You guys don't understand this. This is why when I see all this shit with ice and stuff, <laughs> when I see the stuff with ice, like a lot of times, you know, people are like, come in the right way. Like there's so much nuance to immigration. They don't get it. Yeah. There's, there's so much nuance to immigration. You guys really don't understand and how it impacts people's lives. Like people have established roots for years. And are paying into whatever taxes, all the stuff like that. You can't just be taxes, like social security here. Yeah, you can't just throw people out because of like a whim or your racism. Wow. There has to be better grounds for it than that. But yeah, and then also you guys in the UK can't look can't look down on Americans because look, uh, can you believe what they're doing with ICE and Mexicans at the border? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> let's let's be real. So yeah, because we, as we delve deeper into what they've done with the Windrush generation and their descendants, it's like they're just as bad. Exactly. Exactly. The Windrush generation, I, I want to make another note here. They It technically ended in 1971. This is why we call the cutoff there, because uh, there was an immigration act, okay, when Commonwealth citizens already living in the UK were given the indefinite leave to remain. Okay, so I want to say that's a if you were there, there was a 1971 Immigration Act indefinite leave to remain. So that's like a little bit like, well, what does that mean? So basically, British passport holder who was born overseas could only settle in the UK if they had a work permit 
and can prove that a parent or grandparent had been born in the UK. So there's like a couple of immigration acts that now have like a downward spiral for the children and grandchildren of the people who came here. You have this 1971 Immigration Act, and there was uh, this whole citizenship thing in 1983. And basically, it puts a lot of people in, in limbo, because it's like, how do you show that you're here legally? They weren't keeping an op- they weren't keeping any records. Like if we're talking about the 70s, there weren't any computers. They weren't keeping records of people who were granted leave to to remain or any paperwork. And so now people are in the position who've been there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years of trying to prove they were in the UK legally from when they were, you know, they were brought over as children or, you know, their grandparents brought them over. And then unfortunately that has a downstream impact on their children because on the grandchildren, because the, the children who are fully formed adults in their fifties and sixties are in this limbo status because they can't prove that they are legally or lawfully in the UK, although they've been there their whole entire lives since they were maybe small children. And then their children can't either because there's no documentation like that, because how could it be? Because look at the time and the practices. Right. And the original folks that came over, their original relatives probably are dead by now. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them pass away. And then you have these people who came from the different islands as, you know, small children who grew up in the UK their entire lives and have like, no, haven't been back to the island since they were small children. They're in their sixties. Forever. And, yeah. And, and then they're trying to prove their citizenship. Now, I think there's a relationship. A lot of this kicked up with this whole Brexit shit because Brexit didn't happen in a vacuum. And so when Britain decided to exit the EU, which is stupid, um, sorry, sorry, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys, I think it's, <laughs> um, it is, and they all know it is, so <laughs> you just have to live with it at this point. But it was due to a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment. Now, it wasn't actually West Indian or Caribbean anti-immigrant sentiment, because like I said, they've been here for a while. A lot of it was actually, strangely enough, oddly enough, a lot of Eastern European African, Middle Eastern, yeah, refugees, that kind of anti-immigrant sentiment. But these West Indian people are now getting caught up in this because that same thing of like, oh, we don't want immigrants here, blah, blah. And being a part of this Windrush generation who's been there for a long time, they are in this limbo status when this whole rhetoric started kicking up. Now the home office, which is, I don't know, what do we say the home office is? It's it's some um, their version of like immigration, drug, crime, border control. Now, a lot of them are, you know, it's just kind of like a scandal over the last few years because there have been a lot of reports about elderly people being denied services, losing their jobs, facing deportation. Because they arrived as children, you know, using their parents' documentation back in the day. They lived in Britain for decades. They've been paying taxes, they've been paying insurance, but they never formally became British citizens. And, like, they've been there their whole lives, but operating fully functionally, they wouldn't do anything. And so then... Right, and you would think... 
No, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off, but you would think that the government would have, you know, legislation in place to protect the people that they asked to come over in the first place. I mean, these people, as we said before, they're not rich. They can't just run around and hire lawyers to like do all of this work for them. And even applying for a lot of these um for a lot of the documentation that goes into get, obtaining your citizenship just like here in the u.s is super expensive yeah. people can't just readily afford to just do that especially when they don't think that they need to exactly yeah so a lot of people didn't know if, if you've come to a country from your five years old you don't know what the hell you know they're not like let me look into this like you've just been going to school <laughs> living your life you know and there are people who now are they're elderly who've lived there for five decades, six decades. And like, it's yeah. not until certain little things happen, like you lose a job or something like that. And then you need to apply for something and they're now asking. And, you know, I would say to, this has become like big in the news since like 2015, 2016, um, yeah. the Windrush generation and the problems happening in the UK. And that's when they start to realize the problem. They need to apply for a government program, stuff like that. And also they were looking at seeking them out. And then suddenly they're, they're threatening people with deportation. They were also um, detaining people. Detaining people. You know, yeah. old people. For weeks on end. Yeah. And these, these are, like I said, people in their 60s, like people who yeah, came like, when they were, I mean, these are elderly people who've been there for years. And their whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like you're living in a country. This is your home. And you're at work and somebody rounds you up and takes you to a detention center for weeks on end mm -hmm. and threatens to deport you. And you're just like, deport me to where? Yeah. How do you send people back to a country that many of them have never even been to at this point? Right. The people that they're rounding up at this age. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a combination of people who've never been there, right? Because it's the children of these people, but who are also in this limbo status or people who left when they were like single digit age or super young who came under their parents who are long gone now and there's no documentation and you know, you're trying to make them accountable for to have provide documentation from the 1940s, fifties, sixties, you know, before 1971. That's absurd. Not exist, and it's definitely not going to exist in Jamaica because their record keeping system is, especially from back then is terrible. It's non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all like, let's keep it real. We're acting like, there were computers. There were no computers. You know, it was it was handwritten papers and stuff. Like, what are you guys yeah. talking about? You know, so it you know, and this was like ongoing, and it was a very hostile environment, right? It was a very hostile environment, and it not only affected the, the children of the immigrants from the Windrush, but their grandchildren as well. Like, it's just like multiple generations who are kind of in this limbo and stuck, and also. You know, like I said, being evicted, being detained, threatened with deportation and having to pay all these fees to try to figure out how to prove that they belong in a country that they lived in their entire lives. Right. I mean, exactly. And imagine like paying paying your taxes, you're paying into the healthcare system. And unlike here in the U.S. where we have private insurance, they're paying into a national health insurance. Imagine catching cancer. You're guaranteed the right as a citizen now to get treatment. But because now you're in this limbo and you're a person without a country, now they'll rather just let you sit there and die in a detention center than give you the treatment that you've already paid into. Exactly. It's like, it, it's it's insane. Yeah. And this is overwhelmingly impacting 
black people like let's 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 keep it real it's overwhelmingly impacting black people in the uk and so for me there's a racist or racial undertone because you or you're saying in one hand like and it's just it's just how it was if you came from a british colony or an ex-colony you you had the automatic right to settle right but there were some new rules that really came in like in the i don't know how you call the decade like 2010 and beyond like um and you know like i said increasingly over time 1971 1983 then 2012 there were some Mm -hmm. more legislation brought into the uk that really created a hostile environment for for immigrants and you're seeing people who've been there for years now suddenly be denied services and be threatened to be deported Y'all are bugging. And honestly, if this had been, I don't know, if it had been another country or a different set of people who look different, would it still be the same? Would it have gone on so long? And by the way, it's still going on. I'm saying if they were white, would it have happened? The answer is absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, if they were white, would it have happened? And and it's still happening. So let's be clear. If you guys think that it's over, it's not. It's something that's still happening. Yeah, the effects are still out there. They did have... When did the report come out? Because I think... Was it last year? Or was it 2018? It I'm might trying have been to remember when they did the investigation. So they did like an independent investigation to try to figure out, all right, what exactly happened? Um, and they released the Windrush report. And I don't know if it came in last year or if it was this year. Um, 2018, I'm looking. I think but it was 2018. I know... 2018 yeah so with brexit and now covid all of these people are still like Gwen said in limbo trying to figure out you know will they be able to get their jobs back their homes back will they be led back into the country because i know you know there were some people that also got caught where they traveled probably to another country and then once they you know tried to get back into the uk they were denied Mm. um because they didn't have like passport visa or whatever type of documentation that they needed so they still haven't even been let back into the uk at this point yeah it's infuriating frankly um because you need to understand these are people who had an established life just think of yourself like you just living your life and then suddenly someone's like oh you 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 can't be here and you're gonna go back like go back where i could never imagine i would go insane yeah like this is this is all you know you can't yeah. just drop people off in a country that they've never been to or you know left when they were four or five years old and say you know manage well what happens to all of my belongings in the current country that i'm living in what happens to my house what are you doing with all of this yeah i mean it's just it's crazy but yeah. they were somehow justified in it because you know they were the government exactly so they get to make the rules Right. So, like, from an American perspective, if you're, like, Italian-American or Irish-American, imagine being, like, second, third, fourth generation in America, and then suddenly they tell you, pump the brakes, you're not really American, bro. You got to go to Ireland. You got to go to Italy to live. And you're going to be like, yo, what? You know what I mean? Like, back I, to Sicily for you. Yeah, back to Sicily. And you're like, yo, my grandmother was there. like, what are you talking about? My mom was born here. To the... It doesn't matter. Like, that's exactly what they're doing. Like, even if you were not like the a child who came you could be a grandchild of that person and you're in the same situation so it's 
wild. It is literally it is. taking like, the rug out of people. It just further fuels the racism. Yeah, no, I mean, well, how do you think it further fuels the racism? Because it gives the Brexit-loving crowd of Britain an opportunity to wag their finger at people and say, you see, you really don't belong because the government has basically is out here trying to deport you and trying to kick you out of the country. So you really don't belong here. So now we're justified in our antagonism of you. I feel like. Mm. <sighs> crazy, crazy, crazy. I do agree. So to Trinity's point in 2018, like, like I said, this, this was bubbling. This has been bubbling like, Oh, honestly, the last five, six years. And so in 2018, when, the report came out, Prime Minister Theresa May at the time, she had to go and apologize to the Caribbean leaders and said that, you know, no one from the Windrush generation would have to leave the UK, blah, 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 blah. But... Oh, because she blew them off. The leaders had gathered and wanted to have a meeting with her. And her office basically said, this is not important. We don't really care and wouldn't schedule the meeting. So like that was a whole other big gaffe of this whole uh, UK government system, because how do you do that? How do you blow off the leaders of the Commonwealth nations that you rely on, that you still take money from, and you're falsely deporting their people or descendants of their people back to a country that's not theirs. So yeah, she was a mess, but she still ended up becoming prime minister or some whatever anyway. So just goes to show. I, I think it underscores a couple of points. One, I want to say, I think it just underscores, and the reason why, you know, I think it was important for us to share the story is, like, look, you guys, we're in the U, we're in the U.S., we're in New York, you know, we're of Jamaican descent, but you know, we're here, but this is still a part of the story of our people, and it's a black story that, you know, I don't didn't get that much news in the U.S. Like, it didn't get a lot of visibility no, at not all. Not at all. None. I don't think I've ever heard an African-American ever even mention this, to be honest. Nope. And I, I follow about it. Yeah, everything, social media, everything. You guys know that. I don't, I've never seen anyone who's African-American ever mention this. And in, in terms of Black solidarity, this is, it's, it's messed up, you know? And even if they take it outside the Black piece, like I said, if you're Italian-American, Irish American, you guys have a lot of pride, but you know that your grandparents or whatever came here. If someone just scooped you up and was like, "Psych, you can't be here," you'd be there'd be such outrage and such uproar. And these people are still fighting, you know, till this day to get it rectified. It's not fully, it's not a hundred percent clear. It's not. And so I think the other piece that I would like to highlight is that. Oftentimes, I find that people of color from the UK, in Europe in general, but from the UK especially, the Black folk, the Asian folks, well, Middle Eastern folks, oh, Americans are so obsessed with race, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what do you think is happening to you right now? Exactly. They're not, you know, shielded from it. They're living in it. But they're, they're in such denial. I guess it's easier to pretend like it's not your issue when you have a country like America where our issues are highlighted globally to the point you just made, whereas, you know, Americans have no idea what's going on with Black people in other nations. I mean, the spotlight has always been on Americans, especially Americans of color and everything we've gone through. 
So if you can just kind of wag the finger and be like, oh no, see, you're the one dealing with the issue, you can kind of live in that ignorance is bliss mode where you can pretend like you're safe even though you're going through the same nonsense as everyone else. Listen, I'll tell you one thing African-Americans don't have to worry about. They ain't getting deported. So, look. <laughs> so, y'all think that America is all black. Yeah, listen, white people can terrorize black people in America, but they're not getting deported. Okay, listen, I'll tell you that thing. They're they can not. tell you to go back to Africa, but the government's not going to send you back. Yeah, there's literally no way. They don't know where the hell they would go. There's no way, right? <laughs> and you who's never stepped foot in, you know, Jamaica, Trinidad, Grenada, Dominica, anything, they're trying to send you back. So, I mean, that's, that's wild. And then you can even, let's parallel it with the Latino struggle in the U.S., like the, the stuff that's happening. So, I mean, there is a parallel there. There yes, are, definitely. Yeah, there's a parallel there. There are Hispanic people, there are Latinx, Latin, Latino, Latinas in America who have been here for a long time without paperwork, illegally, and then they get detained and, you know, are threatened to go back. The slight difference, though, is that there was never a promise that they could be here legally, okay? So right. that's the difference with the West Indian and the West, the Windrush. No one there ever said... naturalization laws, too, here. Yeah. If you're born here, you're a citizen, so at least you have that protection. Yeah, so their children are, you know, quote-unquote anchor babies, you know, anchor baby just like, you know, Trump and his children, <laughs> but in his child, well. Aaron... That anchor baby. But in terms of promise of, you know, if someone was here illegally and for a long time, there's a slight difference because a lot of times you know you were illegal. But you know what? It is different because the wind rush, you're part of the British, you're part of the British system. You were subject and you by default, you were invited and you're supposed to by default be able to stay. So that's, that's the difference. I'm going to make a yeah. parallel that, you know, if you are a child of, was it DACA, right? You know, yes. when mm-hmm. when there are children in the United States who say they came uh, as a very young age and their parents brought them and they, they're like, they, their parents brought them and they've never really lived anyplace else. If you came here as one or two years old, your paperwork was never right and they're trying to, to deport you. I think that's also wrong. You know, it's not their 100%. fault. They didn't intentionally come here illegally. Their parents did it, right? So immigration, I think mm-hmm. Black Americans, I can talk about all Americans too, but do you think <laughs> Black Americans, African uh-huh. Americans feel any alliance or there's enough conversation about immigration when it comes to African Americans? feel an alliance with other black peoples who are going through immigration difficulties i mean anybody because i first of all i don't think they know that other that other black people are going through immigration difficulties <laughs> because for <laughs> but real. even like let's say like with the mexican um the issues with you know mexicans and people coming from latin america yeah coming into this country <sighs> i hate to say it but no, I don't think that there is an alliance, unfortunately. I don't see Black Americans rallying around these people as, well, in the numbers that I feel like we should be. Understanding the hardships that these folks are going through and that 
you know, they're coming over here for a better life. And that's kind of like the American dream and the American promise. And no, I don't think that they really rally around it. In fact, I've seen a lot of Black Americans be like, well, they don't belong here. And it's like, well, people could say the same thing and have said the same thing and have treated you like you don't belong here and this is your country. So no, I don't think that there's any, you know, solidarity or camaraderie. Unfortunately, sadly. Yeah, I mean, okay, let me, we're going down a slippery slope and I, I don't want to detract from Windrush. <laughs> we are going down a slippery slope. So I'll say this. I'm going to, Gwen is acknowledging her bias as a child of immigrants where immigration hits close to home because it's literally a conversation that's been my entire life and that continues. Even though my parents are citizens now, they're still family members in Jamaica, you know, different citizenship mm-hmm. and immigration is still a conversation just in general that hits close to home for me. So I am going to have a empathy when I see what's happening at the border with Mexicans and Latin Americans and there are other immigrants, but mostly them who to me are being treated unfairly by ICE. On the flip side, and this goes back to the, the, the ADOS, the ADOS thing, African-Americans, I can see the argument that, look, they don't feel like these groups are supporting them and their issues and Black people issues. And oftentimes people feel like others want Black people to be at the bottom of the totem pole. So, you know, and also a lot of people feel like Black people support everybody else and everyone else's causes and no one backs us up. So... They may want to. I think that black people of the past definitely reached out a hand and support everybody else, but the black people of today, no, they can't stand on that leg anymore. You're right. Okay, I agree with you. True. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, and they know damn well that that's the truth. But sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, but no, I no, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. I was, I'm trying to see both sides. I they feel. Like they back everybody else, have everybody else's back, and other people don't, which which is fair too, right? Because sure. which is fair because everyone doesn't come to Black people's defense, and so let and I want to when I say this, I want y'all to understand. I'm not saying that Black people, whatever happens, I'm going to be really clear. Anything's happened to African American African Americans is happening to us as West Indians, blah, 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 because racism has no pedigree. No one's going to say, oh, you're from Jamaica. I'm going to treat you better. That's not how it goes. So whatever, your no. experience is the same as ours. It's a completely the same experience, right? We have a different experience because of the immigration piece. And, and that now makes it easier, I think, to see and understand some of the, the hardships that's happening with the immigrants uh, from Latin America and how it's unjust. So I, but I, I, mean, I can like, see both sides. Yeah. But I mean that, that mentality of, well, everybody wants us to be at the bottom of the barrel because if we're at the bottom, then they don't have to be, I get that. And I totally sympathize with that. Right. But to say that you're not willing to help a group that is slightly more dis- disenfranchised than you are, and then not being able to turn them into an ally to further your needs, I don't see the logic in that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't say, well, everybody's against us, so we don't have to worry about them and their hardships. But that's how you form alliances. 
that's how you work together with people. You say, look, we lend this helping hand. We helped you. Now we need you. Roll with us. Do this with us. You know what I'm saying? But if you continue to alienate people and be like, well, screw it. We're in this on our, by ourselves. I don't think that that's going to work either. I mean, there, there isn't there a reason? I mean, I don't know. There's so many nuances. I know that a lot of people from a lot of Latin American countries tend to lean more towards very conservative values and very conservative sides. But isn't that how you win people over to your side? By lending a helping hand, by showing kindness, by supporting them in their endeavors? Like, I, when, when do we change back to what worked for us in the past? I think... All right, so this is a deep cut, and we're actually coming off a wind rush. <laughs> Sorry. So no, 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 and it's and I think that's probably a second a second episode. So we're going to lightly touch on this, and then I think this is an episode in itself. I, I think we have to also get real about the experience between the Latino and the Black community. I think from Ados, a lot of people. I shouldn't just say them, but I like to use them as representative of that rhetoric and that school of thought. So. Eidos is anti-immigrant, uh, the African descent of slavery movement, and they feel that immigrants, whether or not they're Black immigrants from other countries or Latino immigrants, have taken jobs, low-skilled jobs, away from Black people. And those are the jobs that Black people often could get, you know, post-civil rights and, you know, before and post-civil rights. So if you feel that there are these immigrants who've come in to take your job, then you're not going to have solidarity with them. I think that's point one. I think point two is a lot of Latinos and Blacks, there have been tension. So listen, they're different. There's no, same way we say Black people are not monolithic. There's no monolithic Hispanic or Latino group, right? So the Mexican culture is very different than I would say the Hispanic Caribbean the from Caribbean, like, right. you know, and then there's South America and Central America. It's different, right? There are different cultures within it and different relationships. And mm-hmm. so I would say the Black and like Mexican Central American community have not been tight. The best of friends. Yeah. yeah. You know, if yeah. I think of like Cali, that's more like West Coast, you see that, but they haven't been like yeah, tight yeah. at all. Uh, you know, there's a difference in the relationship between the Black community and the uh, I think Hispanic Caribbean. Oh, I know. Let me be specific between the Puerto Rican and the Dominican community. Okay. On but the, the Cubans Coast. on the East coast, but the Cubans clearly identify as white and a lot of them are white. Let's be fair. And so mm-hmm. they're Republican. And so they're definitely, they're anti-Mexican immigrant too. So this is true. <laughs> so it's Jesus very Christ. nuanced. What is wrong with all of us? Yeah, it's all very nuanced. So I think we can't like kumbaya sounds good in principle, but the tr- the reality is that these are you know these are not groups that have had have had any solidarity since like the 1960s. You know what I'm saying? Like the Chicano movement yeah. was with the Black Panthers. They were uh, like had solidarity, but you know honestly, since civil rights is done, everybody's kind of gone on their own path, and there is no solidarity if we keep it all the way yeah. funky. Yeah, I'm not even saying kumbaya though. I'm saying strength in numbers. If you all have a common enemy, rally together and strike that common enemy down instead of running around and like trying to do random stuff on yourself and just getting overpowered. Like, I just, I don't know. That's but just I think the way you have that to my think art of happen. war works. Yeah, but everyone does. You have to, you have to be on the same page. If nobody you have a now realize that we have, we, we all share a common en- enemy at this point in time, then we're all screwed. Well, we are screwed. If nobody so. sees that. Yeah, no, no, we're screwed. 
So we're screwed. And no one says, Anala, hold on. White people don't get scary and don't start holding your pearls. No one's calling you the enemy, okay? I don't no, want you to definitely think, not, guys. That's not what we're saying, right? Uh, we're saying the systematic racism is the enemy, all right? It doesn't mean that. This will be very clear. Uh, but I don't think anyone sees that, right? And I, yeah. I don't think people see that, right? Because first of all, Black people, we talk about Eidos, the slicing and dice is not, not united. Latinos are definitely more united, okay? I'll say that. I do think that they're more yes. united. But but then, hey, the Cubans will be like, nah, no, I want you Mexican. You know, it's a little bit, you know, shaky there. So we there is no common thing. Every it, Ultimately, I do think it's like, look, Black people are at the bottom. We don't have a common thing. We want our stuff, and, you're, and that's it. And then fighting for scraps to a certain degree, you know, fighting over the same scraps. Yeah. Um, that we're all allowed yeah. to have partially some of it is not like a lot of times listen i would say a lot of mexican and central american people are you know stereotypically very hard workers and they're not doing jobs americans want to do period so you guys are saying that they're taking your jobs that's a fucking lie because you're not going to do the work they do yeah you wouldn't apply to do those jobs and they know it yeah so let's be real like since you're also lying to yourself but you know there are real tensions and you know look i'm not from the west coast i i couldn't tell you you know that's where more of the like mexican and central american population is Growing up, for me, it was definitely more, you know, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, and Cubans, Colombians, you know, just yeah. Venezuelans. It was just kind of a different demographic. I lived in Florida. There was a lot of Cubans, which is a whole other ball game. So <laughs> I, I don't think that Americans as a whole get it. And let's, let's, let's put a hot take in there. I said to my mom, <laughs> and I, this Uh-oh. whole ice stuff and stuff at the border, and I'm like, Mommy, it's wrong how they're treating them. She's like, well... Them need to come. You can't come here and have all this pitney and da 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 da. And they should, you know, have their papers. And I'm like, wait, what, mom? And I'm like, what is going on? She's like, you know, I mean, no, you don't agree with me. But did them can't come here and have all these pitney them and them not have no, no paper and them come here and all them for work and da da Them need to go back at them country. So she has said this. <laughs> My mom has said this. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yo, I. We, she's like, I know you don't agree with me. I was like, well, we don't agree, and I'm just assuming this is like the side effects of having a traumatic brain just injury. The, but um, I was yes, like, I think yes. And the older generation. I'm like, I don't agree with you but so her whole thing is that she doesn't think that people should come here with a bunch of children that they can't take care of and how do you expect them to be taken care of you know so this is, but this is, a, this is a behavioral difference too we just talked about let's bring it back to the wind rush we talked about west indians will go one person right like the father or the mother yeah establish themselves yeah and then they bring the family back it is a different immigration behavior where a lot of times Latin America, the whole family comes. So right. okay. I, I, I want to yeah. do that so y'all don't drag my mom because I, I think you guys understand that. <laughs> There's a behavioral difference. Like, and, and I think this has come up in other conversations where Americans didn't understand it. Like, how could you leave your kid behind? I'm like, well, they don't want to go, if their children are struggling in their country back home, they don't want to bring them to the new country struggle. They want to establish themselves and then they go back and they send for them. So... She's right. of that mindset, so she doesn't want to bring the children to the new country without having stuff set up for them. So that's, I think, her real issue when she sees 
like Mexican and Central American immigrants. She doesn't understand how you can cross the border with a bunch of children with no job, no home. She's like, what do you think you're going into? American life is hard. You can't do that. Right. And I think that, you know, I understand, obviously, I understand mom's perspective on that. But I think that the nuances of where these people are coming from and the environments that a lot of them are leaving, it is so it is too dangerous to even leave your child there. You know what I'm saying? And that's probably why a lot of these people come through and they're like, we just have to take everybody and run. And that's what a lot of people don't get, you know, and that's what a lot of people don't have enough sympathy for. I feel like, you know, these people are not leaving, you know, green pastures to go to green pastures. They're leaving nothing, leaving, you know, certain death in a lot of cases to come here to just try to live and contribute. Right. So I agree with that. And so she knows we disagree on this. We disagree on this because I feel like a lot of times they're coming from violent areas, crime ridden areas, destitute areas that the chance is better here with nothing. And and I and that desperation, I understand, and I have empathy for that, although my immigrant mom does not. So let's be clear. So I can't even fault any African-Americans for anything because my Jamaican-ass mom, who's definitely an immigrant, who came to America in the 80s, really has that type of sentiment too. And, you know, and we disagree yeah. and we talk, we, we agree to disagree on that. So, and that's where I think that makes... West Indians and Africans have a, just a very different experience from Black Americans because that immigrant lens is is very hard to let go of because it's it's a real part of the reality. Sure, you know? definitely, it's a real part definitely. of the reality. And so, you know, look, I know we guys went circles and towards the end we came to America. So sorry for the UK peeps because we took it back to America, but we took it to America <laughs> to make parallels so people could empathize and understand the Windrush stuff because truth be told I was just telling the Windrush story people are like okay so what that's your problem and what but I I like to make parallels with things that are happening in the U.S. which are big news in the U.S. that people can relate to so they can understand the connection and why it's important to tell these stories in these narratives of black people black the black immigrant experience is important and listen Let's be clear if you're African American, if the American government could figure out a way to deport you or have some type of immigration shit, they, they would love to. <laughs> so, they so, would have done it. They would try so hard. How can we send them back? <laughs> if they could figure out a way to do the shit that the UK is doing right now for Windrush, they would totally yeah. do it. So they're Don't like ADOS, just... you want reparations? Nah, y'all are getting a boat ticket. Exactly. So <laughs> don't think that like, oh, this isn't me. So what? That's y'all, you know, Idris Elba. That's all y'all little funny nigga talking nigga shit. That's not what it is. <laughs> because if they could figure out how to do it for you, they would do it. All right. And I'm very clear. And I'm very clear. One last little thing. At one point. You know, Trump has been through, has said so many crazy shits. But I remember, I think maybe last year, at one point, he was talking about rescinding citizenship for, like, people who were born here. The children, yes. And I was like... Children of people who came here um, illegally. I think legally, let's say. I think even legally. I'm going back to Jamaica. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, even legally. And I was like, hold the fuck up. Even legally. Legally, I was like, wait a minute. And so, listen, I take my American citizenship seriously. 80% of New York City. <laughs> listen, 
Listen, I take it super seriously, and I and I and I know that. Look, this country is funny. So, like, if you're African American, like, it's gonna be harder. They're gonna have to muster up some bullshit for you. But it's not that hard to make the case. Like, if he did that, it's not that hard. Like, listen, my my birth certificate shows that my parents were not born here. Like, I've seen, like, it shows that my mom was born in Jamaica, West Indies. It shows that. So, it, it, you know, it's quiet for me if he did that. Crazy. We're, we're almost done. So, um, so look, you guys, I, I just want to be, I want to be cl- careful because, listen, I know it's quiet for me if they decide to change some legislation or law and it's like, oh, it's no longer that if you're born in America, you can be a citizen. They can do that. They legally can do that. And, really and, and you saw all that stuff they were doing, Barack Obama, like Hawaii became Ugh. a state hand, you know, his birth certificate. All this stuff, I don't take it for granted. I'm not here being proud or entitled, like, oh, I was born in America. Da, da, da. Listen, you're absolutely right. I was born in America, and I've lived here my entire life. But I, I just look at history, and shit gets funny. So I don't, I don't take it for granted at all. Like, oh, I'm here American. Like, I would always have empathy for any immigrant situation because I might be born here, but y'all could turn on me. <laughs> you could turn on me, <laughs> and. And then what am I, I going to do? I want to go to Jamaica. <laughs> I, no. I like to visit. I'm not trying to stay. Yeah, like, I've always out. actually had a. I've always had a dream of like if I could like live in Jamaica and work for like a year or two, just to. I would love to. I mean, it would drive me crazy. I know that. It would yeah. drive me insane. But I would like to have the experience under very specific auspices. Okay, very specific, where I would need to have like security, <laughs> a lot of different things I would want before I did it. Absolutely. But I would be curious to do that. Um, to do that, but I'm I'm like, yeah, I don't take this like y'all are like. Oh, I'm American. Did it? Listen, I know American. But some I know of you. us. I know I'm American, but I know that my parents are not, and I've seen the immigration struggles of people in my family, extended, outside family, mm-hmm. friends, friends who are not Jamaican, like just you know different immigrants. People think, and y'all could be funny, and I learned all this. Listen, Nazi Germany. Listen, I, all this stuff. I take Oof. note from history. People can turn on you real quick. And, and so history always repeats. Yeah, history repeats itself. So I don't even I'm not gonna sit here being like, you know, American flag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause y'all could take that rug out right underneath me and I'll be <laughs> damn wind rush too. So snatch that blue passport right out your hand. Yeah, they should they take it right from me. So that's <laughs> why I'm gonna have solidarity and I'm gonna be totally speak up and always be against all the shit ICE is doing. Because y'all get real funny, and you never know. It could be quiet for me real quick, and I don't want to have these problems. <laughs> and listen, but I have my solution. I'm going to tell y'all. And actually, I'm going to tell you, because it's Sunday. Oh, I, yes. It's become, <laughs> it's become very clear to me that the goal is I need to 90-day fiancé a Canadian. Okay? Absolutely. I'm with you. It's 100%. a Canadian. like Because I've always thought about the show and, like, who should it be? Da-da-da-da. Look, the UK is funny because y'all dream real. Hell no. I used to think it was a British person. Hell no. Okay. Yeah, Look that institutional racism ain't worth it. No, 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 no. Australian, y- y'all tend to be racist too. I feel like mm-hmm. the good passport, the best one to have is actually Canadian. Low key. Everybody lets a Canadian in. They're harmless. Nobody's worried <laughs> about Canada. I feel so like... You can travel anywhere. It's perfect. So I'm putting into universe that my husband needs to be Canadian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm very cool with Toronto. 
I can go to, I'm very cool with Toronto. I was in Canada four times last year. Okay. So <laughs> I have tons of family in Canada too. Look, I'm Jamaican y'all. Listen, this is true. I have lots of family yeah. in Canada all over. So I don't even like the colds, but the way the world is set up right now with Windrush mm-hmm. and y'all got Trump and all the stuff going on in this world. I feel like the 90 day fiance right now to do is for a Canadian husband straight up. Yeah. Canada's looking real sweet. I had to ask my mom the other day. I was like, you know, cause Canada for like the Americans who aren't aware of the relationship, Canada is like the big brother of Jamaica, Canada. They would give Jamaica tons of money back in the day. I think they've tried to cut off that, that flow of cash, mm-hmm. but I know that a lot of times when Jamaica would extend its hand out, Canada would definitely be there to help out. So that's why there are so many Jamaicans up there. But, you know, I was like, why did you choose New York? You could have just went to Canada and we could be chilling right now. Good health insurance. Like, why, why'd you pick New York City? Uh, not well. No, my dad seriously. first went to New York. My dad first went to New York and then he came back. He came to America. It's, uh, they, he went you know, to Canada, you mean? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Back to America? Went to Canada, mm. yeah. And they came here. Uh, you know, I, I think the cold is a big part of this. <laughs> I think the cold is a part of But New York is cold too. Yeah. <laughs> and so is the UK. So it's like, you know what I'm UK's saying? The UK is not running. It's not as bad as here, but. Maybe. You. Uh, Okay, winters are pretty cold. Yeah, but ours can get pretty bad. And then depending where you are in Canada, you're talking about Toronto. Like, I have family in Alberta. Like, that's the sticks. Oof, oh, no. It's mad oh, cold. No. Okay. Yeah. I went to, yeah, I went yeah, to Alberta, yeah. Alberta for the <laughs> first time last year. I'm supposed to, I was going to go this summer, but look at Corona. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think I need to ask my dad again about my parents again about Canada. From the stories I'm Absolutely. thinking about of the people I know. If I think about my cousins and stuff in Canada and things, you know, the stories I heard, it wasn't positive. It wasn't positive. Mm. It was. It's not positive anywhere, though. It's not positive anywhere when you have brown and black skin. It's it's not. (sighs) Damned if you do, damned if you don't. But at least it wouldn't be Trump's America. (laughs) I. Like we've talked, okay, you guys were going to another, but no, so we've talked about it. I think this is worth it. We talked about like, cause I've talked about like, yo, how do you choose this? Like, this is su- this is such a Jamaican ass conversation. It but really you guys, is. But you guys. <laughs> Why did you pick this place? But yeah, it is. And, and you guys need to, you guys don't kind of get that because you're not American. But it's, you know, there are immigration patterns in their relationships. So if you're Jamaican, it's the three places are the UK Canada and the US and frankly at the time like like when like how old we are in our parental life the US was not number one for people's choice like people would go to the UK or Canada like those were the first choices and the US was actually like third from what I gather but US had a good enclave they all did my mom when we talk about this is a deep cut I might have to split the episode here but this is (laughs) damn it when I Okay, I'm about to say some stuff, and you guys need to just bear with me as I say it, and don't get offended no matter how it comes out. I want to clean it up, <laughs> but I need you guys to just Uh-oh. hear the opinion and the observations, okay? Oh, boy. So this is the thing about... this. Y'all Americans need to hear this, because y'all don't even understand what's going on. So, this is going to be a mini episode, I feel it. It is. The, I'm going to compare each one, but through the 
the lens of the black experience. Okay? okay. So anybody else, I can't talk to you about your experience, but I'm going to compare it through the lens of the black experience, the Jamaican experience, what's the black experience, why people have to choose certain levers, why they end up in a certain place. So the UK is like, it was a motherland. Initially, it was the easiest one to go to. My mom, I said my mom, but my parents, but my mom's criticism of the UK is that she doesn't feel that Black people actually advance there. So the UK, you can go and have like a, you know, if you were a nurse and you had a trade, that's fine. But if you actually look at, mm-hmm. I'd say the children, the Windrush children, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, a lot of times people ended up being in council flats, which is yeah. um, projects. like the projects, okay? And you get government stipends and blah. And it doesn't have the same exact like sentiment as it does in America, but like people are happy to get a council flat, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. you can live comfortably because the government is giving you subsidized housing and all this stuff. What, it's kind of meant to hold them in place, no? Yeah. Like, yes, like, make them comfortable and let them stay right there. Exactly. And so my, my mom's criticism and my dad's criticism of the UK is that when she looks at the people who ended up in the UK, she didn't see upward social mobility. She didn't see people mm-hmm. like bettering their circumstances. She didn't see their kids doing better. She didn't mm-hmm. see that it's kind of like people kind of got stuck in yeah. like just suck it's valid it's mom's valid there yeah, yeah. so y'all gonna fight me from the uk but i'm I'm just saying americans you don't know don't even comment just just let gwen just put her foot in her mouth but this is what and, and i say this is i have a lot of family in the uk so i just want you yeah. guys to know like this is the observation okay and again as my parents who were not young like these are my parents were adults when they came to america so it was it was very much a choice it wasn't like Oh, like my dad would have loved to stay in Jamaica, but it just got too violent. His trajectory wasn't looking good that he had to get out. So these are the things you got to think about. Like, so where am I going to go? So from what they had seen, because like we just said, Windrush, they've been going there from the 40s to like, eh, it seems like people get kind of stuck in the UK, mm-hmm. right? These same people who say everybody racist in America, but y'all suck and ain't doing shit, which is always <laughs> my fucking argument that you guys talk mad shit about America, but your lives are not better. And I don't understand. You're not balling more. You're not doing anything more. So cut the shit and stop saying it because that quiet, polite racism is not doing any favors for you. Yep. So that's, that's the UK thing. All right. Then Canada. Okay. It was too cold. Number one. Okay. So number one, everyone's complaint is that Canada's too cold. Secondly, it was the same type of a little bit of the polite, of the UK in terms of the racism not as overt but still still there but they also felt like there were just not as many job opportunities and career opportunities for advancement as the US so at that time yeah, yeah. at that time so yeah. it yeah. just for them like yeah you could go there and again your socialized medicine and stuff like that and they have friends who retired and like I said I I went to Canada four times in 2019 so mm-hmm. It's a place that I'm cool with, but do they see, again, upward mobility as much better than UK? I'm going to say that better than UK. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to put in the same boat because the people in Canada, I do think who are black 
for me and just from my microcosm and for my parents' microcosm are doing better than the folks in the UK. I will say that. Absolutely. Um, right. yeah. as well. Yeah, I would say that. Especially my parents came to New York. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to come to New York, there were just a lot more opportunities, you know, working multiple jobs, doing stuff, being able to within, you know, a few years buy a house, all these things. Yeah. Um, there was already the the community in Brooklyn of West Indians here. So it just, from, from my parents being kind of like go-getters and ambitious for what they wanted to do, it, it made sense for New York. I think it's, it's a different profile, you know, and New York is going to put you in a hustle-ass mode because America, like we said, there's no, there's no social safety net, right? So you're not going to get insurance. Yeah. You're not going to get anything. So New York is also kind of like, I think just a more of a hustler place. And if yeah. you're really, really, really willing to put in that hustle, then they found that they would have more rewards and stuff like that. And it worked out for them. And when I look at the children of West Indian people and who were in America, yeah, I do think they're doing better. And some of the Canadian ones came to America too. Right, <laughs> they came right. to America to work. Yes. Several of yes, my Canadian like cousins, stuff like that, cousins. <laughs> came to America. Right, several of my yes, Canadian co- exactly. cousins came to America. So, for the hustle and look, um, it's a grind, but that's why they. I ended think that's up where here. that stereotype about Jamaicans came up, right? Where you're not a true Jamaican unless you have three or four jobs. It's yeah, like, because that's what you needed to survive. That's what you need to survive. So. I know that was like offensive, <laughs> how I, but again, <laughs> that is the observation. It's the, it's the reality we know, and we can prove because we're living the proof. So, okay, so what do you think? So that was Gwen and Gwen's family, and I agree with them. I have to be honest. When I look, like I, I have a colleagues, I have some black colleagues in the UK, and we met up, and we talked a little bit. Like it's a Jamaican guy I met. I was like, hey, what's up? Probably my cousin. And then we talked, and we we talked about it. Like we've talked about the challenges of being black in the UK and how people kind of skip around it, but it, how it makes it much harder in terms of advancement, even when you get to the corporate level, stuff like that. It's, it's a whole other ball game in the UK that I think is much that suppresses black people more to me than it does in the U S or Canada. Yes. Now that you bring it up, Yes, definitely. I definitely agree with that, I guess. And I think that that's why my, you know, paternal grandmother, like, she ultimately ended up leaving the UK in the 70s, I want to say, and came to America. She was like, you know what, this not this not it, this not gonna work. And she dipped out and came to the US and like, you know, her children got a better life because of it. College, better colleges, better you know, better advancement. So yeah, yeah, listening to you to your perspective on that, it, it does make sense. UK definitely was not it. But Canada may be a good look now. But back in back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it probably wasn't as uh, fruitful as it is. Yeah, now yeah, it was it was future. hard. It was hard. If if I, I mean, looking in retrospect, and I know, I would have chosen New York, because first of all, it's more, even America, like, cause I even take it back before that. I'm like, so you, my parents were born in the forties. I'm like, so y'all were hearing about civil rights movement. What were you thinking in Jamaica? Like you hearing about these people, you know, hosting down black people. Why the hell would you come here? This sounds crazy. And, and there were black people who came and even I'm talking about, I've been talking about my maternal side mostly, but my dad's father 
came to America in like the 50s and the 60s and that's a whole other story <laughs> he came he was going mm-hmm. back on farm work and there was oh, um okay that's a whole other story but you know listen people need to make money and so they'll they'll figure out they'll figure it out but it, it was hard you know they didn't want to like America is scary it's oh Okay, I'm going to give him 90 Day Fiance parallel. It's like Usman's mother this season. Oh, my goodness. Usman's mother Valid from complete. Nigeria. <laughs> Your cousin. Usman's mother with baby girl Lisa, affectionately called baby girl Visa. Okay. I'll be there for you. Anything <laughs> you want, I'll be there for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I was so Nigerians. Oh, my God. They have... Done the best on the show. Um, Absolutely. But his mom made some very valid points. His mother, before she she got on board with the hustle, was like, hey, I don't want you to go to America. They don't like black people there. I don't want them to teach you like a servant or a slave. And I'm scared. And people want to deny racism in America. But like, black people, you guys don't have to believe us. But listen, it's real. (laughs) And you see black people from another continent hear this and see this and they're scared and they don't want to then she doesn't want her child to come here and so yeah. that's even real. for a better life like yeah. she's like it's not even worth the risk yeah now eventually he lied to her and so she said yes and gave the blessing because he's like i'll send you money and i'll be back every year and he knows that he is not going to be able to afford yearly trips to nigeria uh well he gotta do the scam it's in his blood go ahead yeah. this one yeah. go ahead this one but um you know, people are, you know, are willing to, for an opportunity, come to America, despite the race, the issues of racism, etc., to make it to be able to feed their families. Let me tie this up in a bow for America. Look, yes, I'm afraid y'all going to switch it up on me and try to deport me at some point. But, but at the end of the day, like even when I gave my assessment of the UK, the US and Canada and clearly I'm biased because of America bias and it's not it's, it's just honestly looking at the communities being involved in these communities and seeing you know where people fall out in terms of having opportunities in their livelihood I, I still am thankful for the opportunity to have grown up in America and been in this school system and been able to establish my career here because I do believe, and especially in New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. You know, shout out to America, gang, gang. I'm going to give it to America. On Big summer. up to USA. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to America. Big up to USA. You know, pardon USA. America, fuck yeah. Okay? Y'all got that. All right? I gave it to you. She's still looking for her Canadian husband, though. Don't get it twisted. All the way facts. <laughs> so, you guys think I'm joking? I'm so serious. I am. Listen, I need to date a Canadian because... America set up real funny right now. So <laughs> at least let me be able to like hitch on to a life that's very similar. That wouldn't be hard to like adapt to because I'm not trying to go to country to have to be in an outhouse in Jamaica. So I'm cool. Oh, or, no. I don't want to use a latrine. Not. So I'm going to make sure that if I can get, you know, married to a Canadian, I'm close enough into America that I know what's going on. And if shit pops off, I should be, you know, fairly safe. And so that is my 90 day fiance plan that I need to have a Canadian boyfriend or Canadian husband (laughs) because y'all are wild. And And Trinity is going to go to her wedding and just find myself a Canadian husband there as well. Listen, 
that's <laughs> listen that's the plan y'all don't understand i might cut that's this out because i don't need you guys to even try to move in on my move because that's where i'm going with this okay the uk used to be a dream but the way no the way it's set up no nope. that's a no Absolutely that's a no uh, so canada is the dream so this it was a jamaican ass episode god <laughs> I we don't know everywhere. if it's going to res. I don't know if it's going to resonate with Americans at all because this is this is a black immigrant experience. It's an immigrant experience, period. So I think if you're probably an immigrant, like a lot of the stuff may sound familiar to you or like relatable. Yeah, if you're West Indian, you know the motherfucking vibes. Okay, you know the vibes. <laughs> you know the vibes. And if you're African, you know the vibes too. You know, if you're American, I don't know what you're going to think. I don't know what you know, you're going to think. They'll, I think your listeners will kind of know you enough by now to give you the benefit of the doubt and to absorb everything that was thrown at them in this episode. Yeah, it was a lot. I'm not going to lie. It was a it lot, was. you guys. We touched but on a lot of things. We touched on a lot. But just for you to get an understanding, because this is a Black narrative. It's a Black story that's very relevant. That's happening right now. And... There's not enough support and outrage for it. So I think, you know, just on a more serious note to if there's anything I would like you to get out of this episode, it's understanding that black people have struggles on many different layers and black immigrants have struggles of dealing with the stigma and the racism of being black in addition to these citizenship issues which are you know which are unlawful honest okay they're okay they're lawful i guess but that are questionably lawful and completely unjust that they've been dealing with for years now in the uk that have not really gotten the proper attention they deserve and so if there's anything i would love to see black people from america because america has to have influence to learn more about this and speak on your behalf Mm -hmm. of the outrage that this is wrong and support your fellow black people. They have every right to be in the UK, to stay there where they've been for generations. And this is just inexcusable. And we need to support each other because the narrative can be about immigration and about race. Absolutely. So... Miss Trinity, any final words from you? Um, just want to, you know, definitely drive home the point that institutional racism is alive and well worldwide. So to Gwen's point, we're all black. We're all going through it and we all need to support each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So listen, the more, you know, reading rainbow, uh, West Indian edition. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, um, perfect. Then I'm pretty sure I'm just going to call it Windrush Generation. And thank you to Miss Trinity for you guys don't even know what she's been through today to record with me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know. It's been an adventure. It has but been... I love it. Gwen's the best. Oh my God. Listen, Trinity is a trooper. We've been through it, <laughs> but we made it. And we, you know, told the story and it's here. And so, look, everybody stay safe, stay at home. Even if your states are opening, don't fall for the okie doke. Keep your hands washed. Stay safe. Try to shelter in place. Mask until, up. Yeah. Wear your masks until all of this stuff. You know, we need to ride this out. 
and, you know, keep hope alive. It's been real. Peace.